Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at this time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let us pray for Bob as he comes up to share the word this morning. Father God, I just thank you so much that we can celebrate in our unity because of Christ. There are no longer walls of hostility. And Lord, that we can celebrate that we have been brought into the fold. God, I thank you so much that Bob is joining us this morning to share about his ministry with Jews for Jesus. And I pray that as he shares from his really unique experiences of serving the kingdom, that we would lean in, that our ears and our hearts would be open to receive his word, and that your Holy Spirit would be moving in this space as we sit under his teaching. So just be with him now, in Jesus' name. Uh, shalom to all of you here in this sanctuary at the center. Uh, shalom to all you watching on live stream at home in your pajamas or in jail or wherever you're watching. I am delighted to be able to share some time with you and talk uh, about something that really matters a lot to us from this text. I'm very grateful to Mitch and the staff here at the center for the welcome today and the opportunity to preach as we had some problems earlier this year making that happen. But during my talk this morning, please fill out the white card. Would you take that? Some of you are on the end. Just pass it down your row. It's not communion. Just pass down that card if you don't mind and be ready to turn it into me after the service or in the offertory so I can keep up our conversation and send you our newsletter. That's part of our partnership in the Lord. Thanks. I moved my family from New York City to Australia and specifically to Lane Cove in 1998. 
the parish there welcomed us to country and the neighborhood so much that we've never left, long after many of them did. What they had and what I want to speak about today from our Bible reading is community. For you, when you hear that word, certain things might come to mind, like the Hills community, or the community of your school, or your kids' school, or even the sport you particularly play here at the center. The Ephesian reading makes clear the mystery of community that being that Gentiles, that is people who are not Jewish, can be fellow heirs and fellow members of the body of Christ. God is not without compassion. He cares greatly and he wants us to care as individuals and as congregations as well. And that thought brings me to my topic today, living in community, or more specifically, what is the Messianic community, sometimes called one new man? Mitch and Murray spoke about community last week on the banter. I believe there are certain characteristics which have to be noticed, embraced, and maintained in the world for a gathering of any entity, for that matter, to be labeled community. These three are commonality, communication, and unity. I'm sure there are lots more, but uh, today we'll focus on those three, especially since I see them so clearly in the Word. So we read from the Ephesian letter, chapter 2, verses 8 to 22, if you didn't get that down. Before we go on, let me share with you there are seven images or pictures of the community in the entire book of Ephesians, and then I'll zoom in on the one new man features taken from this reading. The seven are, I'll just list them quickly, the assembly from chapter one, the body in chapter one, workmanship or poem you might remember from chapter two, we are a family, chapter two, we read this, and a temple, and then number six, we're the bride or wife of Messiah, that's Odd. And seven were an army or soldiers. Arthur Katz, who died in 2007, was a Jewish believer in Jesus and a longtime friend. He wrote in his classic, True Fellowship, Church as Community, the need for the body of Messiah to be real and honest in this regard. He said, quote, Church as Community is radically and excruciatingly demanding. And yet, in this environment, there is the glorious possibility for this kind of existential fellowship with believers, end quote. He was ever a challenge to all things status quo, and thus a challenge to me in my ministry. He insisted that the church as a Sunday club was insignificant and irrelevant, and if that were all she was, feh. He eventually moved from any major city where he lived and along with a select group formed a community that radically lived out everything they were learning. So what he said in his books was written in the crucible of their life together and I welcomed that. You see, when I came to faith in Jesus in 1971, there was one model which I saw and it made sense. I had been a hippie striking so as to shut down the campus of Washington University, an activist who was among those who burned down the ROTC building, junior cadets, and soon afterwards I left university to find my own way. Then in May of 1971, I found Messiah, or rather, he found me, and immediately I was part of the Jesus movement, as it was labeled. 
Our meetings were held on Sunday nights in the basement of a Presbyterian church where hundreds of us former hippies gathered to sing Bible verses, choruses led with guitars and drums. That was new then. And there were other regular meetings all week in homes and coffee shops. No one went to one meeting a week. We gathered seemingly everywhere. Forgive me. We made fun of denominations since most of us got saved outside those institutions. Jesus was all we wanted. Oh, and the fellowship of the saints. We sang together. We prayed together. We believed God together. We cooked. We, we, we played volleyball together. We did everything together because God wanted greater and greater things, and he never disappointed us. Life was community. I know I'm going against the modern grain, but everything I know about the kingdom of God is upside down. It's not the societal norm in our days to follow a Jewish carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago and ended his personal preaching career with just a handful of followers watching him die, who then they ran away after his crucifixion and hid away from fear. In Australia, it's not normal to be religious and maintain personal commitments to holy living in a city which is again touting its LGBTQ, how many letters are there, around Mardi Gras in the city. It's not easy even to attend church on a regular basis in the 21st century, what with children's birthday parties, internet holiday deals to Bali along with any sporting event or the latest David Jones half yearly sale starting earlier on Sundays. In his 2000 book entitled Bowling Alone, Robert Putnam showcases the trends that were already evident then, 22 years ago, with the beginnings of the internet and resultant loss of personal space and time, that people were less and less willing to join clubs. The title alone indicates the reality that people would go to a bowling alley then and bowl a few lines, but they wouldn't join a league. That trend Putnam saw 20 years ago has only increased dramatically in our day, social media has made us increasingly alone. The antidote to this is community. So when I talk today about community, the community nature of the people of God, I'm hopeful you'll listen with your spirit and that Gerald Baptist will see significant growth in this area and the church in Sydney and the church worldwide will move forward in 2022 and long beyond. First things first, commonality. The development of community requires commonality. That means we share common experiences with common results, no matter from what background we come. The Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesian believers to get this, so he said, in Christ Jesus, you who, you, y'all, Gentiles, who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups, there's only two groups to Jews, us and y'all, that's it. And by the way, I never said y'all when I grew up. It just makes me sound more American. So. Uh, but Jews and, you know, we're the, only way, we're the only ones who use the term Gentiles. It just means not us. It's how we see the world. He made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. 
Jewish people like me and Gentiles like the abundance of the Ephesians, and dare I say most of you here today, come from very different backgrounds, different views of God, different hopes, different dreams, different capacities on sport, and yet we are one in Messiah. Amen? I just want you to be with me. God has broken down the barriers and made us to share in the same life source. Because of Jesus, our commonality is fixed. Hallelujah. Isaiah had already prophesied that in chapter 49 of his book. I'll encourage you to read that later. God called Israel to be his servant, but then made clear a missional call that Israel and Isaiah were not only to reach Jewish people. He said, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I'll also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Paul wrote, we are fellow citizens and share as the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Fit together. Even though my people, the Jewish people, were the first ones of the commonwealth, were called to bring in others and to be citizens together. Common experiences now due to our relationship to our uncommon God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Not only do we share common realities and the common relationship with our Messiah, we also have real communication. Again, from Katz's book. More often, quote, more often than not, there's an unspoken agreement between pastors and their flock. You present a biblical message, we'll pay the bills, and you have a Sunday service that will leave our lives free from any kind of demand, end quote. <laughs> he cites our school education systems, which are content with the mere verbalization of material. When I say communication, I'm talking about more than verbalization, sharing our hearts with one another, sharing real hurts, real life. That's how the body of Messiah makes a difference in these days. Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, wrote in the magazine Christianity Today, again about 20 years ago, about sharing life together. And he took lessons from the 12-step folks, the AA people who were meeting in the basement of the church he attended there in Chicago. He said this, quote, as an alcoholic once told me, I have to publicly declare I am an alcoholic whenever I introduce myself at the group. It's a statement of failure, of helplessness and surrender. Take a room of a dozen or so people, all of whom admit helplessness and failure, and it's pretty easy to see how God then presents himself in that group. The historian of AA titled his work, Not God, because he said that stands as the most important hurdle an addicted person must surmount to acknowledge deep in a soul not being God. No mastery of manipulation and control at which alcoholics excel can overcome the root problem. Rather, the alcoholic must recognize individual helplessness and fall back in the arms of the higher power. Bill Wilson, the co-founder of AA, reached the unshakable conviction, now a canon of 12-step groups, that an alcoholic, alcoholic must hit rock bottom in order to climb upward. Yancey was commenting that the people downstairs in the basement were more real than the church people upstairs because of their admission of who they weren't so they could find the God who was. 
The Ram's Horn, you might recognize the shofar blown on Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah and other times in the year, not only is there to make us Jewish people aware of the timing of events, but often for us to gather. Some of you might remember when church bells would ring on Sunday morning at certain intervals to call everyone in the village to gather. These calls to worship are communication methods, and they invite us to communicate with one another and to listen to God together, at least at morning tea, to communicate with one another. Communities are in communication with each other, and listening, then they respond to one another. Unity. To be sure, we all do not agree on everything. Any of you in any relationship with a school teacher, with a spouse, with teenage children or parents, knows that perfect agreement down the line is not the only way to be united. Real community is more like musical harmony rather than unison. Remember Gregorian chant, monophonic, unison, liturgical music of the Roman church developed under Gregory about 600 AD. In the church, in the Reformation, church music widened and harmony replaced unison. Have you, I don't know if you've ever been in one, in a significant large gathering, maybe up at Katoomba, maybe at, uh, at just some massive place. I was in the Superdome in New Orleans in 1987 and 30,000 people Christians singing God's praises at a major conference. At one point, the musos stopped playing while the people kept singing. It was enormous. It was powerful. I imagined heaven. I experienced heaven that evening. Powerful. Paul wrote the Ephesians, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. You might remember the triad, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Unity is, is, is possible because of Jesus. Look, you may know that anti-Semitism has been increasing in the world the last few years, even here in Australia. Cemetery damaging, bus, train episodes of hostility, stabbings overseas in closed Jewish communities, shootings in synagogues, they're on the rise. A natural reaction by people experiencing this hostility is to withdraw, to pull back from interaction with those people. So when you remember that Gentiles in Roman days were the bad guys to the Jewish people, then Paul's one new man mystery concept is radical. His appeal for unity is outrageous. I'm going to be united with you guys? It's not only possible, it's required for a godly community. For Jewish people, the idea of Jewish community starts with birth and circumcision when a little Jewish boy is <laughs> welcome, call that welcome, into the community. And it never ends even after his burial. We use a prayer shawl both at services, we read prayers from a prayer book, and everyone knows what page they're supposed to be reading from. Everyone is included at bar and bat mitzvah celebrations, at weddings, at funerals. The identification of a Jewish person in life and death is labeled clearly from a boy's eighth day through to the rocks and Hebrew writing on the gravestone. A quorum is required to pray certain prayers. The Hebrew word for 
quorum is minion. It's required for certain prayers in Orthodox Jewish circles. And a quorum was, a minion is 10 men, not women, you'll forgive them, 10 men, post bar mitzvah age, not little kids. A knocker is sent around neighborhoods in old villages and shtetls. If only eight men showed up for the gathering, we need 10. A person needs to be supported by the community. Four people, that won't do. Seven, nope, sorry, 10. Of course, Yeshua, our Messiah, had this comment about the minion in Matthew 18. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He's not saying he won't listen if you only have one of you or two or three of you. You don't need 10 men. You can have community with 10 ladies. You can have two ladies. God will see community in what you are doing in a gathering in shared life together. So what? I'm telling you all this and I'm telling me this. I'm a student of my own sermon today. God is speaking to me about what matters in these last days. He's asking me to care and to speak with and to be common with those in my community. He's calling us to be humble and receive one another, to accept one another, to serve one another. That's what the world is looking for in these politically charged days, a community of hope and love which extends itself in service to those outside and which welcomes former outsiders into their fold. Each of you who, like me, was not born a believer in Jesus and who's now joined in fellowship here, each of you experienced some of this com commonality and unity. You share in communication about these things with others. You were welcomed early on in your visiting here. And the rest, sorry, and the real test of your loyalty is your involvement with newbies and helping them to be folded into the self-same community. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching today, either online or here, then this issue of belonging to a community is available. Most sociologists today, like Putnam 20 years ago, almost shout of the need for people to belong. Keep coming back to church. Keep listening. Keep opening yourself to the real gospel story. Perhaps this morning you sense a desire to do more than log in. Perhaps you want to have what we have, what the musos were singing, a real, vibrant, personal living relationship with the Almighty. If so, right where you are, pray right there or here in your pew or in your pajamas at home. Ask God to make you born again. To receive Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Today can be your day of new beginnings. The people of God around you here will welcome you. They will receive you and help you walk this new life out in Jural or wherever you live. You know, I'm here also representing a ministry, a missionary organization called Jews for Jesus. And we're not only an agency, we're a community as well. And we long to bring others, especially Jewish people, into relationships with us and with the Lord himself. Paul highlights that in Ephesians 2, God being rich in mercy because of his great love, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins made us alive together in Messiah. The Lord saved us. He made us alive together and all because he loved us. 
And we're seeing, like you saw in the video, Jewish people come to that same conclusion in Budapest, in Tel Aviv. I was in Poland and Ukraine in April and May. We're seeing it happen globally. Your prayers for us will help. Your financial support will help. We're hoping in the second half of 2022 to take on at least one more staff member. I was in conversation with him yesterday. He's from Ukraine. He's moved to Australia. He's 23 years old. He's a Jew. He's a believer in Jesus. We're working out. He's going to come Tuesday or Wednesday. We've got to get the flights. It's going to cost. You know that. The need to meet up with more Jewish people who are really interested in the gospel is now. So I ask churches to support us one by one to facilitate that. It's your partnership with Jews for Jesus that delights me. By the way, you can use this square. That's my credit card machine. So easy. Tap and get out of here. I'm sorry, tap and go. Um, <clears throat> you can buy products like the Cats book I mentioned. Down at the bookshop in Bondi Junction. <laughs> Where else did you think we'd be? Uh, uh, we have an art lounge that's active every, every day. And we have a launch every first Saturday of the month. We have Jewish people come in regularly down at the shop. We have over 800 products, some of which I brought. You can pick up today. I'll be out there by morning tea. Let's keep talking. Let's share together our commonality, our communication, and our unity in Messiah. Mitch, thanks for the invitation and your love for our ministry. Friends, thanks for filling out that white card and giving it to me. And thus, you're letting me speak to you again via our Jews for Jesus newsletter. If you're watching online, just type in Jews Jesus in Australia. It'll get Google. God bless them. Or you can write to me at P.O. Box 925 in Sydney. And from here, let's go. Let's gather others in the spirit of Isaiah's words to go to the others and bring them to the Lord. In the mystery of Jew and Gentile together in Messiah, 10 generation Australians and brand newcomers to country. People who don't act like, smell like, eat food like us. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, sing his praises. Magnify the Lord. Thanks for letting me come. Shalom. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.